are back in the football shed. My name is John Hewitt. I am back from England. And Jeff King's here. G'day. G'day, John. It's great to have you back. It's Roger nice. smelt really bad. Well, he's, and he's not here, so that's good. Perfect. Yeah, yes. it's the way I like it. Um, have you made the guitar worse since I've been away? No, it's the, it's the, it's the warm and coldness <laughs> of, of, of the shed that <laughs> is bringing it further out of tune. But here's my dilemma, John. What do I do? What do I do about it? It's, you've got to just let it organically change. Let it organ- So yes. we're going to get onto like season six of the football <laughs> shed, and it's just going to sound like a banjo getting yeah. strung out of a hillbilly's yeah. bum hair. Or we could get someone to make us a theme tune. Uh, then we'd have to be able to work out how to press the go button. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Too hard. Too hard. But we are the Football Shed. We're here every week recording in Jeff's Shed, hence the name Football Shed. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify. If you enjoy it, tell your mates, give us a review, subscribe. Um, if you want to get in contact, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com, which a few of you have, and we'll have a few emails later on. Um, you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed on Facebook, Instagram, etc. And we appear. And every week, we start with a question. This week's question, Jeff, is about the top three in the Premier League. So the top three in the Premier League are undefeated, which is the first time since 1978-ish. I've written in my notes because I can't remember the exact date. <laughs> <laughs> it's the late 70s somewhere. Um, that the three, there's been three teams that are undefeated 11 games into the season. That, uh, that is such a strange stat. It's ridiculous. 11 games into the season, like that's that's a milestone of some kind. But it's a long way into the season. But of those three teams, from their 11 games, at the possible 99 points, how many have they got? Um, well, there's only been t- two draws apiece for the second two teams, so 11, 33. 366, 99, take away 8, <laughs> so 91. 83. What? <laughs> no, <'cause> they, <laughs> two of them are drawn 3 and one of them is drawn 2. Oh. So uh, Man City are top on 29. But they're on 83 points. Now the reason I wanted to ask that question is because the bottom 10 teams in the league are on 85 points. No. The bottom 10? Yep. Yeah. So from 11th to 20th, there is 85 points between the whole lot. Is it the end? Oh, possibly. Like, well, that, that's my concern. It's the beginning of the end, is that you're creating the the the, the La Liga, um, the Spanish League, where you have your Barcelona and Real Madrid, who are so far ahead of everyone else, and then you just have the other teams. Now, we're lucky in the UK that we have four or five teams that can fight for the league but in reality they're so far ahead that it's almost the rest of the teams and we were saying just before we started recording there's a lot of shit teams in the Premier League there's 10-12 teams that are just there for the sake of being there It. I mean you, you know what's going to save us what Brexit <laughs> <laughs> wow you know, I, didn't, I didn't expect that yeah because 30% of them will have to bugger off um, yeah, have they decided what? This, no, I've got no idea. Sorry, it's a bit flippant. Yeah. Um, you know what we do need to to fix it? Mm-hmm. We need the Super Nations League, the whatever super it's league. called. Have the, you heard about this the, this week? Yeah. What, what's it called? So it's a Super League, the basically. European Super League. Yeah, that's what we need. That'll <laughs> fix it all up. <laughs> then, yeah. then all the crap teams will remain, plus Spurs. Yeah, <laughs> poor, poor Spurs. Doesn't matter how good you are, you've everything. just been relegated yeah. to a to a to a league you could never get promoted to. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> See you later. <laughs> and the, then, you know, we'll, we'll just watch out the telly. I, I am scared that that kind of thing will happen. Of course, it, it will definitely happen. But it would ruin football forever, though. Um, there was, I was listening to something on the radio this week about how full games of football... Um, and there's something you want to talk about, I think, as well. But about how if, when you what people aren't watching full games of football, and so people, and when I say people, people under twenty five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but younger generation just watch YouTube, so they watch YouTube highlights. They watch um, highlights of the games. They want to see skills. They want to see goals. Um, maybe an amazing save or whatever. But no one actually cares about the fuller game. Um, and so Sky TV aren't actually getting as many people watch full games and they're only watching the highlights packages. So there's going to be... Yeah, I know, it's ugly. So there's going to be... That generation's obviously going to get older and older and older and you're going to see the game change to match what they want to see. Well, yeah, and and I I actually heard some analysis on this because it's been... um, Sorry, I know we're not just going to no, jump in and talk yeah, about the, the European Super League, yeah. but the the analysis I heard was probably the first that was not necessarily pro Super League, but it did raise some interesting questions. That um, football is is a business, mm. so it's a cliche, but it's true. They don't, no one actually cares. You know, they have a they have a fan engagement department yeah. who's there to make fans think that they're engaged. Yes, right. That but uh, that's a, makes them spend money subset yeah. of making money out of a business. Agents make money, players make money, sporting directors make money. It's a business, and then there's a little arm that says, "Oh, we should probably, you know, let the fans the come along and and, yeah. and give them a, a clacker yeah. or a free hot dog or whatever." <laughs> yeah. um, so, if it's about making money and the European Super League, you have fewer games and they can make three times as much money per game. That's the the estimate. Yeah. Then it will happen. It doesn't matter whether we think it's the end of football or not. It makes no difference, and I'm not saying that this incarnation of it will happen. But yeah, if, but yeah, if that's some... the logic and that's what sits behind it, then it is an inevitability that the next phase of European football, when when we know that it, it takes less time to fly from Manchester Airport to go play Bayern Munich or Ajax yeah. than it does to drive down to Southampton, yeah. then it's inevitable that that will be the case. And it, and if you can make money on global TV rights, you can make money from. Players that are fresher, less in, less injuries because they're playing fewer games, playing in a bigger TV rights environment, it's inevitable. I, well, I think it is inevitable. I just think it is sad for the game. And there is one thing that, yes, it's a money-making thing, but as soon as people lose interest in the game, you stop making money. If people don't what, come and watch it, if people don't pay their TV subscription to watch it, you've lost the fans, you've lost your revenue stream. But who, but who are we paying for? So the... If you are in Malaysia, yep. you don't care about how good it is to go watch a Huddersfield home game. You don't care about the the crowd at Huddersfield. As far as Huddersfield are concerned, they're not in the. But yeah. As, yeah. as far as a team that's going to be going to be on that kind of um, platform, they can let everyone in for free. I mean, it will make no difference yeah. because if you're in Malaysia, you want to watch. I don't know why I've just picked, yeah, yeah, picked yeah. on Malaysia, but that's a that's a footballing market. That's an emerging market yeah. that these clubs are concentrating on. In Manchester, Manchester City are not trying to win over fans from Manchester. They're going to China. They're going to the US. They're going to Australia. So that what do they care 
whether the atmosphere changes at the game. Oh, you, it, it's not. It's something you can easily manipulate. All you have to do is manipulate a sixty thousand capacity stadium to look good. Which you have a arm, which is fan engagement, <laughs> which you know, they'll just give out free tickets to school kids, and yeah. they, and they'll love it. So why would they give a shit? No, that's true. Um, and before we go down this rabbit hole too much of how sad this is, I'm going to move on to. But I just come back from the UK and went to the Chelsea Crystal Palace game as a tourist. I don't support Chelsea or Crystal Palace. Um, and there was a lot of me there. There was a lot of tourists there. There was a lot of people with their phones out filming the crowd, which I thought was fascinating. So there's a lot of people there who have gone for the Premier League atmosphere. So I'm going to go and watch the Premier League fans cheer and chant, but I'm not going to be the Premier League fan that cheers and chants. That's exactly right. So you'll get end up, what you're talking about, is you'll end up in that scenario with everyone going, I want this thing that happens, but the people that make that thing happen, the real fans can't afford to go there the majority of the Chelsea fans that there were old like there was no kids there. there was kids little kids three four five year olds taken by parents there was no one between the ages of like 12 and 25 in the stadium and I thought that was fascinating like Chelsea is a very white affluent area but there was from what I, I was in the Matthew Harding stand at the end which is meant to be the hardcore fans it was just 50 year old blokes Wow. Um, Still latching on to the kind of the history of the firms and the. Well, yeah, and, but also, but they can afford it. It's so expensive to go to football that they can afford it, so they still go. You're not getting the new generation of fans come through. So the t- for people who watch football on YouTube and watch it just as highlights and stuff aren't going to games because it's too expensive and it's shit. So they'd rather go, I want to watch the highlights and watch it at home. It's interesting, that gives me faith with what they're doing for football in this country because if you go see an A-League game it's full of spotty 15 year olds yeah and which is good which is which is good because it means those spotty 15 year olds in 10 years time will be people who might be bringing their kids or you know they they, they build on that fan base it's cheap enough to go or they've earned enough money they'll go to the UK and watch their team in the and they'll put their phone up and they'll they'll, they'll film themselves (laughs) singing you'll never walk alone and and then they'll come home again anyway let's talk about the Premier League what games do you want to talk about first from last week Jeffa oh I'm just going to get out of the way. Go on. Man City one six one. Yes. Now, how, how did you feel when you saw the result? I, I didn't blink. I didn't, didn't blink. I, I was... Um, it was on at the same time as I was at the Chelsea Palace game. And they were 4-1 up at half-time. And I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and went, Oh, they conceded one. It's... <laughs> that, for, the, for people who listen, I'm not going to do what I normally do. Yeah. Which would be... Have a rant about hypothetically them. have a rant about them just doing the same thing every yeah. week. How I don't care about. So I'm not going to do that. Apart from the fact that all their goals were just like exactly the same. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so I put it into a man waiting sixty. I'm not going to do that this week. But gone. I I queried why I didn't flinch so much when it was um when I saw the scoreline, and then I, I stumbled across something that said. Jim, the last time Manchester United scored five goals in a domestic match, since then, Man City have done it 28 times. God, that's embarrassing. 28. <laughs> 28 <laughs> times <laughs> in the time since Man United have done it. Wow. So, okay, without turning this into a, isn't that frustrating for Man United yeah. fans, that's why it's underwhelming. Because this is something it's that the so blueprint regular. does all yeah. the time. And yeah. teams set up to... 
to try and stop them doing it. And by doing that, like this, this is how it works. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. Guardiola, I'm not going to, yeah. but how many goals have Man City scored in the last 10 minutes of games? This, this was 3 0 until the last 10 minutes, yeah. and then it became 5 0. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 3 1, and then it became 5 1, 6 1. And this is what happens because teams set up to try and absorb what they're doing because they know that they, they'll be chasing shadows if they run after them all day. There is a point where teams tire, and Man City have had the ball for so long that they are so rested and so relaxed that they can penetrate in that last yeah. 10 minutes of games of football and they just add goals. And they add goals in a way that teams chase shadows. Did, did you see, have you seen the um, video that's doing the rounds of them was passing 25 times or whatever in the opponent's... It, so it's in the Southampton penalty area. They passed 25... This sort of video, so I didn't count the times. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah. When you watch it, you just scream, shoot, <laughs> and no one shoots. But they... they what they, can. They, they can just do that yeah, 25 yeah. times yeah. in the box and if you're a Southampton player what are you doing you're just standing there going well this is so shit I'm having such a shit time you know what it's like <laughs> when you play when you play five a side and you play a team that's really good oh, and you I'm... makes you realise that you're old and unfit <laughs> and probably weren't that very good at football when you were younger and now you're just even worse and they just run rings around you you're like oh this is so crap why are you so good and I'm just yeah. standing here but Man City do that in one of the hardest leagues in the world and I'm, you, you know that I'm sick of it, but yeah. when I asked before, is it the end? You know, I, I look at what City are, are doing now and I, it's very hard to see a way past it. And I didn't feel like this when United were that dominant. No, um, I, I think Man United were fallible. There was bits to them where you could see it going wrong and there was always drama like there would always be bits where Man United go behind and then kind of come through at the last minute or whatever whereas Man City are a machine and you know I said at the start about the question about how like there's Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City still undefeated and maybe it's bad for the league because it's separated or whatever but right now even as a Man United fan I just want Chelsea and Liverpool to keep winning because otherwise this league's over and it could be if Liverpool and Chelsea lose two games it's league over then it's done because Man City are just going to keep winning they're just going to keep going they'll they'll lose maybe one and they'll draw maybe three or four so basically someone else has to do exactly the same that's it that's exactly right because they will beat every team worse than them yeah. and they might draw against the teams that that have days where they're good enough they drew against Liverpool yeah. um they Wolves got those points off them, but we all watched that game, and you know Wolves were way yeah. worse than that result yeah. represented. Um, is it is it all over? Yes, yeah. I don't see when you, it's not the fact that you know you can look at the narratives, you can look at the points at the top and go, well, they're only two points behind and unbeat all these three teams unbeaten, yeah. whatever, and that's a great narrative. I love it. I love yeah. being part of it. But the way City play football, it's just a steamroller. Yeah, no, I think they're just going to bulldoze their way through. And Liverpool and Arsenal played each other um, and drew one all. Liverpool needed to win that, I think, if they were going to be serious about pushing for the league. Um, but it was a bloody great game. It was so good. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, excellent. James Milner is the one man you want on the end of that. He's amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Did you hear about his half-time team talk? No, go on. So apparently the first half was nil-nil and Arsenal were way better in the first half. Arsenal kind of were genuinely decent to watch. They were playing attacking football. They were defending well. Their defence actually looked okay. They were playing it out from the back. And um, 
Milner just went apparently at half time just went off at the whole team it was just like if we want to do anything we've got to show up we've got to actually perform we've got to turn up we're all being useless and then he goes out and scores a goal which is incredible wow. and considering he's 32 um, I just think he's getting better and better but Arsenal were genuinely excellent I like Arsenal have gone on this winning run uh they won like 10 in a row or 11 in a row or whatever and then they drew one they haven't been defeated in ages but they hadn't actually played anyone good and so you can only find out if they're actually any good until they play someone good they played Liverpool and they were, they were probably the better team on today they looked really good I think Unai Emery's looking a better and better coach every day Torreira Torreira their centre midfielder who's the 5 foot 5 guy mm. Uruguayan bloke is brilliant and having watched the whole game live He's everywhere and he's in everyone's faces and he keeps running and running and running and running. And he's he's kind of a Kante. Um, maybe not as quite as mobile as Kante, but he's very similar. It's funny you say that because watching him, it feels like he gets the same rush of blood to the head in an advanced position that Kante gets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you can see his, his skill take him so far yeah. and he'll look up and he'll just go, oh, no. Oh, no too much. Uh, yeah. Too much. <laughs> Um, but I thought they were really, really good, and I think Arsenal are the real deal. Um, one thing I really wanted to pull out about that game was that Emery made a substitution, and I can't remember. Give me two secs. But he made a sub near the end of the game, and he took off Kolasinic, this left back, and put on Danny Welbeck. Yeah, Kolasinic. Yeah, yeah, and he put on Danny Welbeck, and it was a positive substitution. And he went, "No, we're going to go and try and win this game." And so often, and it happened over this weekend, Bournemouth did it against Man United. They took off a attacker, put on a defender when they were when it was one all, ended up losing two one. Um, Spurs did a negative substitution; they put on a defender just to hold on to their three two win. And I, having been at the Chelsea Crystal Palace game and watched when Eden Hazard came on, and the whole crowd literally stand up and cheer and then not stop cheering or being stood up for 10 minutes, Chelsea scoring two goals in that time and the game being won, there is a huge thing for positive substitutions. I think as soon as you make a negative substitution as a coach, so if you go, I'm going to put take off an attacker, put a defender on, the whole crowd inhales and goes, oh, we're just holding on now, aren't we? We're not trying to win this game. We're going to just hold on for a draw or we're going to we're giving up on this we've got to just hold on for these last three minutes everyone looks at the clock to see mm. how long's left you create a whole scenario where you're destined to concede so I just think it's dumb <laughs> you're, no, you're, you're absolutely right and I remember we we pulled this apart when Marco Silva made that change for Everton when they went to 4-2-4 yeah. do you remember yes. when the game was 1-1 oh, they went to 4-2-4 at 1-1 yeah. and won the game and I feel like not not to get too philosophical because mm. I do want to get back to Arsenal, yeah. but you, you've only got one life, man. <laughs> like you watch football for for pleasure. Yeah. If it's one all, I get that you're part of a league. I get that there's financial reward. Yeah. I get that you want to you, you have goals, but fuck, we we yeah. oh, you can have a heart attack tomorrow and you wish you'd seen your team play four two yeah. four. Yeah. And, and not just yeah. like like yeah. play play five at the back. You just wish that could happen, and um. I heard a, a, a really, not to disappear too far yeah. uh, from the Arsenal game, because I definitely want to touch on Arsenal, but um, I heard the Atlanta FC uh, yeah. chairman give an interview, 
and he was he was talking about the lessons that he's learned in the last year or so. So, so again, sorry to digress, um, but one of them really resonated to me, which is he said, "There's there's no finish line." Yeah, no. He goes, "What he, what he's learned is that you know you aim for things, you, you aim to to eat, win yeah. your conference, or you, you aim to to." To play whoever in in England, you'd aim to qualify for the Champions League. You'd aim to win the league. Yeah. You'd aim to win a cup, but that doesn't end there. No. You don't get to just sit back and enjoy it. Go right, we've done it. We've achieved. And relax. It's yeah. not a race. There's no finish line. You don't get to recoup and start again. It doesn't happen. No matter where you finish in the league, you are constantly looking for for signings to improve you, or or how you're going to improve on it next year, or what you're going to invest to get to that. Even if you are Man City right now. The, you're going to go, well, how are we going to win the Champions League? And even if you're Real Madrid and you've won the Champions League three years in a row, you'd think that if there was a finish line, that's where we'd see it. We'd see them go, right, well, we're done. Yeah. What else we do here? Yeah. We're finished. But that doesn't exist. So because that doesn't exist, it's a perpetual dirge, trudge <laughs> of... of Either enjoy it or don't, because it never yeah. ends. Yeah. And you're going to go round and round your mouse wheel, and you're either going to have a good time or not. Yeah. And if you were one all, and you put a defender on, you have chosen your path. And if you lose, and that's the case, then your mouse wheel is far less fun than someone who decides to throw the dice. So if, 100%. if what Emery is doing is throwing the dice when he gets to that point, then I have so much more time for Arsenal than I have over the last few years. Hell yeah. And you can tell by the way they play football. I have been actively against Arsenal in the last few seasons of the shed it's to the point where I've used them as an example uh, <laughs> and probably to their to their detriment I, I, I'm not going to apologise for all of that because yeah, it was probably worth it it was true but now I watch and play and I get into it I like it the arrogance that Lacazette showed when he scored that goal that goal was excellent you was just so... don't do it no. like you have a 10% chance to get that in and the other 90% chance you are everyone's enemy because you didn't pass that football because yeah. he, is, he yeah. is the prime place but then when you watch it happen it's absolutely wonderful but, but you can tell they're enjoying their football you can tell that they're walking out there going this is great fun and we're learning stuff and we're playing as a team and we have an ethic and we know what we're trying to do. They basically just spent the last three or four years floating about and Wenger probably just turned up at training and went, well, just kick it about, play five-a-side or whatever and then we'll work it out on the weekend. Whereas... And now they're getting coached. They're getting coached, there's a plan and there's progress being made and being part of that team, you could tell that they're going, I'm getting better and better each week, I'm getting better, the team's getting better, we're actually working towards something and we can win stuff. Well, they think they're within a sniff. They, yeah. th- they think that... I don't think that they think they're going to win the league. No, I think, I think they can win the Europa League. I think there's nothing saying they can't win the Europa League and maybe a competition. I I, I agree, but I said there's no there's no finish line. If they win the Europa League next year, they've got to win the league, and that's why when you watch a change like that, you have to enjoy it because yeah, life's oh yeah. short and it's going to come to February and we'll forget all about it. So I enjoyed that game of football. I thought it was brilliant. It was, excellent. and the the fact that almost every statistic in that game of football was even apart from possession really highlights the. The, the type of football we were expecting. So both of them had 12 and 13 shots on target, shots, four shots on target, five shots off target. It's for both teams. Yeah. Block shots, one had three, one had four. Like it's, they are spitting images of each yeah. other. However, one team had 62% possession, one team had 38. Yeah, okay. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. You know that Liverpool countered quickly yeah. Yeah. but had an end result. Yeah. You know that Arsenal built up slowly but had an end result. Yeah. But watching two types of football against each other played brilliantly. As far as a one-all draw goes, brilliant. It was, yeah, it was probably, oh yeah, probably one of, yeah, I'd say the best one-all draw I've seen in a long time. 
it was really, really good. Um, what other games do you want to talk about from last week, Jeff? On? Um, it's okay. So we really, really let rip on some bad teams. I just feel like I'm going to do a bit of a round robin on on. Bad teams come good. Yeah, a bit of karma. <laughs> I'm going to work on my karma points. So Newcastle beat Watford one nil. Well done. Um, well done, Newcastle. Did you see that the the mound leafy twig man? Whatever we're calling him, Mutu. <laughs> it was his free kick. <laughs> I haven't seen the goal. Yeah, it was his free kick. Um, uh, 35 yards out, went to a striker's header. Uh, Real, real basic goal. <laughs> nothing, nothing to write this, home about. This game was three o'clock um, on Saturday. In the UK, you can't watch three o'clock games, so they're not on TV. So you have the early game. And on last Saturday, you had a game at 12.15, the Man United-Bournemouth game. Game at 5.30. Um, and then, which is the Arsenal-Liverpool, I think. And then a game at 7.45 that night for the, summer, the first ever Saturday evening game in wow, the Premier League. so much football. Yeah, I, I was... Spent a lot of time in the pub. Um, but in the middle bit at three o'clock, I went home for a little bit. Uh, and because you can listen to it on the radio. So you can listen to it. So I got through a lot of football that day. Um, my wife well, may have flown to Iceland the day before. <laughs> um, so I um, listened to the Newcastle, or I listened to the three o'clock kick at Aiden, And it wasn't the Newcastle game. Who else was it? It was crap. Um... It was another crap game, I can't remember. But they kept going to the Newcastle-Watford game. And they kept going, Watford have got a chance, Watford have got a chance, Watford have got a chance, Watford... And they just wouldn't put the ball in the net. And then when I saw that Newcastle won 1-0, I was like, how have they won that game? They won... Sorry, Watford hit the bar, hit the post. Watford were brilliant. Well, sorry. Watford were better than Newcastle. And Newcastle won one nil at home, and, and that's what you've got to do. And you know, it, it's results like that that will change Newcastle season. I think not because of the three points, but because it will make them think that that's like we're on to something, and it's okay. Um, Huddersfield beat Fulham. They got a win. They got a win. It was an own goal. Uh, was it? First home, first home goal they've scored all season, and it was an own goal. So that's amazing. Ironically, they didn't score it, but still, it's a home goal to cheer about. Um, in the, a brief loving with Fulham, like, there's a reason why everyone loves Fulham, apart from the fact that they ship loads of goals. They're always really big, like good games of football. Fulham's uh, Twitter account, Facebook account, well, on the the social medias after the game just wrote full time one nil Huddersfield. Really sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. How good is that? <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, um, so... Fulham like, are in a mess. Uh, I think their coach will go this week. This week, yeah, John? I think I, I, I think losing 1-0 at home to... Like, losing 6-1 to Man away, City Away, fine. they were at Huddersfield. Sorry, they were away. Um, but losing 6-1 to Man City is fine. Losing 1-0 to the worst, second worst team in the league and a team that you need to beat to win and having spent a hundred million in the summer, you've got to sort something out. I think give I give him a week or two. Like I yeah, I maybe one more game and it, that's it. If he doesn't win the next game, he's gone. The the uh I'm I'm struggling with this because I'm struggling to separate my emotion from my logic. Yeah. And by no means am I a Fulham fan. Yeah. By no means. However, they did themselves proud in the championship. They played attacking football. That, you know, it's football the way you want to see yeah, it. It's energetic. 
and I think they actually bought well. What they didn't do is buy defenders. <laughs> now, yes. that's causing them some jip. And they bought two goalies when they already had one that's quite good. So they've played three different goalies this so far this season when when you need consistency, they've not got consistency. It's panic stations. But the the one thing that is working in Fulham's favour is there are some really, really terrible teams in the Premier League this year. <laughs> and, and Fulham have been so bad, but yet still they are... Only one point off 13th. Yeah, okay, that's not bad, is it? Bottom of the league, but one point off 13th. Now that means that everyone around them is just as horrible. That's actually disgraceful isn't it the league's so close and 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 that's the thing you know Newcastle are looking one win off 13th one win off 13th yeah so uh, is that what I said what did I say you said one point oh one win sorry pardon me Um, Southampton are a complete joke I would like Mark Hughes to get the sack way sooner than the the Fulham bloke I can't remember his name I I apologise if you're listening Uh, Djokovic yeah Um, Mark Hughes is the worst Um, on on that we got an email from um Jason in California and it got sent to us whilst I was away in the UK and before I went away it was the um, it was basically Mark Hughes what's it Bournemouth against Southampton so it was the me hate derby like I yeah anyhow versus Mark Hughes okay (laughs) and um, so Jason emails saying I can understand not liking Mark Hughes but why don't you like Eddie Howe (laughs) <laughs> he's like I listen to a lot of football podcasts I listen to oh I've Jason read, I've oh read, I've read Jason. a lot about um, who like football and stuff and I'm really getting into it and thinking that Eddie Howe seems like a good bloke why don't you like him so I explained to him how I just think he's the media darling and uh, he's got one style of football and if he gets hired by anyone in the top six he'll get found out so quickly that he'll get fired after three months. Mm, Roger and I spoke about it last week, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so that was uh, my side note with Mark Hughes, sorry. Yeah, I, I think Mark Hughes is gone. I don't know how they play football. I don't think they know how they play football. I think they are so horrible to watch. Do, I mean, you were here the week where we tried to shut our eyes and visualise it. <laughs> Still can't. Now I just visualise them conceding goals. Like, it's so crap. It's true. So, to Fulham's credit, there's a lot of a lot of teams stinking out the bottom half of this Premier League yeah no that's fair enough so they Huddersfield and Newcastle got their wins Fulham are fucked Burnley are fucked there's just something about seeing a really unhappy Joe Hart (laughs) (laughs) like it just brings me back it makes me feel like I'm watching England all over again and I'm hopeful and I'm like oh no Joe Hart's got this watch him look at him He's, he's intense like he's, he's, he's in the zone he's, really he's in the zone and then he just stands there and he goes over his left shoulder and you think oh why didn't he die for that oh he must have known it was past him before he got there and then you watch the replay and you realise oh no no he could have got that <laughs> he could have, could have got that Joe could have, could have probably moved a bit Joe um, so Burnley lost 4-2 to West Ham um, firstly West Ham are pretty crap like they don't Ooh, controversial well, they don't, but they don't generally on this season They've been crap, had good two weeks, and then been crap again. So to score four goals against someone, the other team must be awful. So that's Burnley are awful. Burnley conceded four this week, four last week, five the week before. So they're just in a mess. So 
I don't think this reflects well on West Ham. I think it reflects badly on Burnley. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip that, John. I, I think I, I think you're wrong. I think this is the period that we thought West Ham were going to start picking up points. When we saw their opening eight fixtures to the Premier League, we thought they would be they would beat Palace's record of seven games without a win. We thought they were screwed. The fact that they're sitting in 13th place right now is a credit to them. They, they, they beat Manchester United, they beat Everton. They had a, a few weeks where they were very, very good. Now, they have had some abject performance and performances and they coincided with Arnautovic not playing. Yeah. Um, I, I genuinely watched that game. Watched. I, I thought. I what um what's his name that the the winger uh, Anderson. I thought Philippe he was Anderson. he was really good. I he think he's that, brilliant, but he'll be good for you for two weeks and then be awful for you for five weeks. And the the chest through ball from Antonio for yeah. uh, for Arnautovic's <laughs> goal. That's brilliant so rare you see that and I'm not going to wax lyrical about West Ham too much but I do think that they're better than they should be now with a new manager the opening run of fixtures and their next nine games eight of them are against teams that are worse than them yeah okay now I'm not going to say teams that are below them because they're 13th so you can do the maths it doesn't make sense but teams that are worse than them as a a club in theory yeah on paper which means that we can judge West Ham when they get to Christmas when they get just past Christmas and once they get Super Andy Carroll back, who knows what could happen? I um, no, I just, I just, <laughs> I don't like. I'm not selling it to you. No, I don't like Pellegrino Waterboy or whatever his name is. Um, so can you talk to me about Declan Rice? Declan Rice is excellent. He's a defensive midfielder who's been at West Ham since he was a kid. Um, he's played three full internationals for Ireland, but friendlies. So he can declare for England still. Mm-hmm. And so he hasn't decided. So there's a lot of hoo-ha about, he should play for us. And he hasn't decided as yet. He's kind of sitting on the fence. Um, he's not. He didn't start the first game or two at the start of the season. Um, and then um, Waterboy brought him in. Mm. And ever since he's been in the team, they've played a lot better. He came in after Jack Wilshere got injured. And but he's way more defensive than Jack Wilshere. He played a lot at centre back last year, um, when they played back three under Moyes, and he was one of the centre backs, and he was really really good. Um, he's great. He's six foot plus. He's solid on the ball. Wins everything in the air, and um, he's got a great future. He's only nineteen. So you think that he'll he'll retain his place when Wilshere's back in? And- oh yeah, easily. And um, the-, the other guy though that I think. Is very different to Declan Rice, but could be better. Is um, Grady Diangana? I was just about to bring him up. Yeah, so yeah. He, he played the last two games. He played in the Carling Cup, or whatever it's called now, the Milk Cup. The yeah. Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup. <laughs> milk Cup was in 1986. <laughs> yeah, 1986, John. <laughs> Oxford United won that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I'm, very, I'm still very jet But Diangana played in the Carabao Cup and did really well. And then got to get start in the league the last two games and it's looked great. And he's just skillful, takes players on, and he's got that young enthusiasm. Like West Ham have bought a lot of players that are thirty odd plus and are dying out. But <laughs> <laughs> so, well, their careers are dying out. Like Chikorito, what's he going to do next? Nothing. What's Zabaleta going to do next? Nothing. Like where you need a bit of hunger and a bit of something the crowd can get behind and go. Here's a homegrown player that we care about and cares about the club. And he looks great. 
But you need... Uh, just keep on arguing with you say, John. You need the Zabaletas of this world. Oh, of course. Because not just not because they're good footballers. You need them in their decaying years because of what they do to players like Declan Rice. No, of course. But what West Ham did, especially last year um, and a bit this year, is they've just gone, oh, we'll put the old guy in, it'd be all right. Put the old guy in, it'd be all right. Put, whereas... Patrice Everett and Zabaleta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> put a bit of faith in you. you. Go, we need a bit of enthusiasm, a bit of care, a bit of heart and give them a go rather than just the oh an old bloke will sort it out so with those two in midfield do you think they're better than their league position represents no you, you oh, think Pellegrini, they're about Pellegrini's a crap manager he's just crap manager so here's a question for you do you think they would have attracted the players that they got if it wasn't for Pellegrini being the boss they wouldn't have got Philippe Anderson um, would they have got Yarmolenko yes probably because Yarmolenko's crap <laughs> <laughs> And then they, the, the, the centre-back, Balbuena, is good. Um, but I, I, a lot of their players are actually really piss poor, in my opinion. It's, it's interesting. I, I think Creswell's better than he represents. Uh, Snodgrass, crap. I'm amazed Creswell's he crap. still plays Premier League football. No. Um, Let's move off West yeah. Ham, let's not go through their team. So, we should quickly touch on the two teams we support. So, I support Man United, and I watched the Man United-Bournemouth game, and the first half of football is one of the most painful pieces of crap I've ever watched Man United ever play. Like, there was no urgency, there was no passing, there was no care, there was no creativity, there was no desire to win, um, and I'm not going to talk about the guy that's the manager, because we know what we think about him, but... It's just pretty embarrassing to watch. Like, Bournemouth played us off the park. Bournemouth looked like they were confident that they won the Premier League 10 times. They looked like they were Champions League winners in the past. They looked like they owned the place. And Man United looked like a bunch of kids going, I don't know what to do here. And that's embarrassing. It It is. And for two weeks in a row, I've seen the Manchester United backline move up slowly together and not react to the opposing team win possession back. Yep. So last week, one of the through balls that came in that just just picked you apart. S- same thing happened this week. It, um, oh, it was a goal that was ruled out for offside in the yeah, first yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. The ball that went through your left back and your centre back. Essentially, you're hoofed it out yeah. as as you do. Yeah. Everyone pushed up, went to a Bournemouth player, just slid a through ball in between those two positions and it went straight through. And suddenly it was like three against no one. Everyone was lining up to take this shot. And that's twice in a row. So in two different... Which means that I'm not the only person to notice that happen last week and bring it up. They must have worked on it this week. They must have gone, oh my God, we were like statues, what happened? And yet same again, 20 minutes into this game of football, the same scenario happened. They didn't react to to the negative transition. Yeah, they reacted to the positive transition. They had the ball; they were moving up, but they weren't alert to the fact that if they lost the ball, they still had a defensive responsibility. And the whole unit didn't drop back. The whole unit kept going yeah. forwards. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful to watch, and it strikes me a few things: a lack of confidence, um, and also a huge um, fear of failure. A fear of getting it wrong, a fear of like, oh, I can't just trust myself, I can't do what I would do naturally. I've got to do where the manager tells me to stand, I've got to be where the manager stands, I've got to 
be in the right position, etc. I'm worried about everything rather than just going, you know what, I'm actually quite good at football. There's a reason Man United bought me and they spent 25 million on me or whatever to make me stand here. There's a reason I get paid 100 grand a week. It's because I'm actually quite good at my job. There's no, you're not there by accident. The reason you're there is because you're good at your job. Have faith in the fact that you're good at your job and do it. And Rashford scored the winning goal in the 92nd minute. Yes. So when it comes to oh, another victory for Man United, I mean, come on. Yeah. And... Mourinho spent all summer trying to sell Martial. Yeah. And Martial scores like scores a wonder goal every week. Yeah. And like, this is just ridiculous to watch. It's a couple of little things. Matic, Matic is looking old and slow. Sanchez has done nothing since he signed. Um and yeah, Rashford just looks so shorn of confidence. He looks so scared of playing football. And he's one of the best talents in England and 19 years old 20 years old now um, but he should be on top of the world he just doesn't look like he's on top of the world he's not having fun mm. um, couple of things on Bournemouth Ryan Fraser awful first time I've watched it whole 90 minutes in play he's actually crap at football <laughs> he's he is a highlights player he's a player that if you're watching the highlights you're like oh he just took it round that guy and did a good cross so that was good oh he shot and it was quite close watching him play a whole game football he doesn't know where he's standing he doesn't know what he's doing wow he's okay. just running all over the place like a headless chicken he's awful and he's and he played on for 90 minutes played the whole game um and brooks the guy that bournemouth bought from sheffield united is brilliant interesting but that was that and, and how good was Callum Wilson? Yeah, yeah, he's okay. He's a poor man's Harry Kane. Oh, poor, poor bugger. <laughs> um, see, I had the opposite experience this week, John. I watched the Everton game, yeah. and I could not be happier with that performance. I have not seen as good an Everton side in years. I'll say years. Yeah, wow. And and it's it's incredible to me. I, I think that the um. What has freed up the ability to play football like we are is Bernard. So if, if you're not the type of person to watch Everton regularly, and I, I get that, <laughs> like uh, it's been drilled into everyone that we're that we're not a very entertaining side. But but Bernard coming in onto the left wing is where we bought Richarlison to play. Yeah. So what's happened is you can't drop Richarlison because he's that good. Therefore, he's been playing up front. And if you watch the Everton game this week, both Richarlison's goals are brilliant. There is nothing better than his third goal. Watching him just pass it to himself around the wrong side of a defender. Awesome. And have the defender just stand there going, okay. It's almost <laughs> better than a nutmeg. Like, yeah. It's so brilliant to watch. And then how many times do you see a player try and take it around a goalkeeper and spad it up? Yeah, always goes wrong. And he just glides past the keeper. He is brilliant. And I actually fear that... You know, we spent forty million pounds on him. Ruined it's a lot of money, but it's, it's looking fine. It's now. looking absolutely yeah. great, and I actually fear that he's probably doing too well. Like he, there's no reason these days. Forty million pounds doesn't mean that he's your player. It means that Barcelona only have to spend one hundred and thirty if they want him back. Yeah. not back. But you know yeah, what I mean. Like if, if, if someone yeah. wants someone who was like maybe now they're going to go. Okay, well we'll take him back. So every time he scores a goal, I'm a little bit like. I know he's good, but I'd rather everyone else not think he's that good. But he he knows how good Marco Silva is for him. Like, yeah. There's a reason Marco Silva signed him at um, Watford. There's a reason Marco Silva, when he got the job at Everton straight away, went, pay whatever we have to to get this guy. There's a reason they paid over the odds. Because everyone, when it happened, went, 
40 million? Too much. Yeah. Um, he broke the transfer window, according to Klopp. That's <laughs> yeah. what he said. That, that signing yeah. broke the transfer window, ruined everything. And um, But also, there was a lot of bad taste between Everton and Watford, what happened, mm. Marco Silva and stuff. But Richarlison was crap the second half of last season. He didn't, And not crap, he didn't do anything. He's so, already scored more goals this season than he scored in the whole of last season. But he knows that the reason he wasn't as good last year is because Silva left. And he knows that he needs to be around Silva to do well. And yes, he'll outgrow Silva at some point. But he's only 21 now. So he's not going anywhere for two or three years. He's a Brazilian set forward playing for Everton, John. It, it's incredible. <laughs> but um, but the, the other player I want to highlight before we move off yeah. last week's Premier League is Mario... Uh, sorry, Gomez. Is that Mario Gomez? Andre. Andre Gomez. Uh, got him on loan from Barcelona. Now, he's the type of player who you will not see on a highlights reel. He doesn't exist. Apart, yeah. he, he had an assist for Seamus Coleman's goal. Not really an assist. He was just strong. But... If you're if you're familiar with NFL, he is as much of a quarterback as you will ever see in the Premier League. Mm. He is not just a distributor of the ball; he's everywhere. Yeah. Like he he is on the left, he's on the right. He drops down to receive the ball from from the defense. Once he plays the ball out from that kind of cante in front of the back two position, he's there to receive the ball. Once the wing has taken mm. on a bloke, to then redistribute it to a number ten. Like this guy absolutely dictates play and he is silky do you know who he reminds me of go on and you're going to hate me for saying this Michael Carrick he's incredibly similar to Michael Carrick and he's I think he's brilliant I've always loved Michael Carrick but I think he's brilliant he does everything well he doesn't ever seem like he's trying too hard he stays on his feet he wins the ball but he doesn't tackle he intercepts yeah that's which, it which is what Michael Carrick always did it's not aggressive he's just no. always in the right place yeah and that's and that's having a footballing brain it's being a yard ahead of everyone else and going you're going to pass it there but I'll stand there instead um, and Rog hates Michael Carrick and thinks he's shit but Rog is completely wrong and he can't defend himself because he's not here yeah um, but if you watch him all game like, yeah, oh, I, I just did nothing but stare at this bloke he's an attractive man yeah, too yeah, I've got to yeah, say yeah. I mean my wife's <laughs> probably listening, but he's, he's like if you're going to stare at a bloke you yeah. might, might as well be uh, be gummish <laughs> but it, it's, an, it's a brilliant performance and he was the person that dictated that and the the fact that he can do what he does and then play the ball forwards to Sigerson yeah. means that Sigerson can be more direct in use of the Premier League so you can, you can afford a Michael Carrick type player to sit yeah. behind him because you're not expecting them to be the change of pace decisive you're expecting them to just be the quarterback brilliant to watch if you're not, awesome. if you're not an Everton fan or don't care make some time watch it a um, couple of quick things I want to run through and then we'll go on to next week's games Spurs beat Wolves 3-2 really great game to watch which was awesome Spurs 1-2-1 in the Champions League this morning I watched that game um, they were 1-0 down with 20 minutes left and they had to win to stay in the Champions League um, and they pulled it out of the bag two goals from Harry Kane and I was sat there going oh I'm going to talk about Harry Kane on the shed tonight because he doesn't really do anything maybe he really is shit and maybe He's one season wonder, which turned into five seasons. <laughs> Maybe it's all coming to an end now. And then he scored two goals and they won. So uh... We are going to talk about whether Harry Kane is shit once he's scored 300 <laughs> Premier League goals. <laughs> he's England's all-time go- top goal scorer. And he's won two Champions Leagues for Spurs. And we're still going to go, no, but really, like deep down, is he shit? Yeah, yes. like, no, you're right. We are. Um, I also wanted to mention briefly the Cardiff-Leicester game. Just because Leicester won 1-0. Um, and after the whole 
scenario of what happened last week of their owner um, dying, which I've got to say, when you guys handled very well whilst I was away, I was impressed with, it was good to talk about the whole scenario and the way Leicester as a club and as a city has come together around that family. It's made me jealous of not being a Leicester fan. Like, they've, yeah. they've handled it really well. Um, and the guy seems like he was an absolutely brilliant bloke. You, um, make, you make a really good point. It, it's um, it's only in situations like that that true colours shine. Yes. And um, and you, when you watch it, and you're you're envious of the. No, I mean, envious is not the word, scenario, but, but, but you're, what, you're the, feeling the like they have. I wish I was in a community yeah. like that. Or, or and no, that sounds bad. It's not yeah. envy. It's not yeah. a bitter taste. Yeah. It's actually going. I respect that so much. I admire that society. so much. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. And when we say that there's no there's no finish line and to enjoy it and. You know what Rog was was alluding to last week is is this almost is a finish line for for that that moment moment yeah. in Leicester's history and that in itself is a wonderful thing to actually have a moment to sit back and appreciate. Yeah. Imagine if um if as a Manchester United fan you had a chance to sit back and go right we've had fifteen years of this this is our moment to sit back and yeah. just go that was great yeah like it, and now we move on yeah and and it's great that Leicester won. Um, I just thought it was awesome and shout out to Cardiff and their fans for actually putting on the game and putting it on so well and hosting the whole game because that must have been so difficult for them as a club to actually have to deal with the whole of that griefing club Um, so yeah that was brilliant so I thought we should just mention them should have been 2-0 massive handball (laughs) yes (laughs) Um, next week's games is the Manchester derby wow so it's Man United against Man City at 3.30am on Sunday night, Monday morning. So, a bit of a nightmare time to watch. Um, however, I'm not going to bother watching because Man City are going to win 4-1. It's like, there is no way other result I can see. But this happened last year. Man City were going to win the league and you, it was Manchester derby and United won the game. Did they win? They won. No, they didn't win, did we? Yeah, 2-1. Oh no! Yeah, that was at the end of the season when it was all over. No, it wasn't all over. They had to do that to win the league. No, yeah, but no, but they. I they, mean, of course, it was over. <laughs> they were twenty points ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was over between City and United. It wasn't like all over. No, but it was. They they just had to win one more game. Yeah, and, and United just, stopped them. Yeah, but then they had another twelve to win it. <laughs> so that you, game was a nonsense. No one cared about that game. I think that you're right, and I think that it's completely pointless. It's, um, like I think Man City are just going to smash them um, also having been back in the UK you can watch Match of the Day which is a nice thing every Saturday night they have all the Saturday games on next Saturday's Match of the Day which I will not be in the UK for looks like the worst lineup of all time I'll just read you Saturday's fixtures oh great Cardiff Brighton Huddersfield West Ham Leicester Burnley Newcastle Bournemouth Southampton Watford Crystal Palace Spurs that is the worst Sorry, wow. match of the day lineup. That's it. They're all the Saturday fixtures. That's Saturday fixtures. Done. Well, you might, if you're in Australia, stay asleep. If you're in America, have a lion. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> there is no point watching any Saturday fixtures. Sundays look more interesting because you've got the Manchester derby and stuff. Everton-Chelsea on Sunday. Everton have not beaten Chelsea at Stamford Bridge since 1994 where Paul Rideout scored. Wow, you won the FA Cup that year as well. So maybe no, that was nineteen ninety five. Oh yeah. Um, 
Poor so, guy that scored though. Yes, that's all, yeah, good knowledge. Um, which makes me feel like this isn't going to be our week. Um, yeah, and having just watched Chelsea in the flesh, they're really, really good. Um, you know, someone who stood out for me as well watching it, I forgot to mention, is Jorginho. Again, one of those players not going to be on highlights real massively. But I was surprised how much he talks on the pitch. He was the dictator. He was the conversationalist. He was the one telling everyone, well, you, got, you need to be there, Barkley. You need to stand there, Canty. You need to give me the ball here. I'm going to pass it to you there. Like He was dictating wow. all the play on the pitch. It was great to watch. How big were Ross Barkley's thighs? Massive. I did notice <laughs> that. <laughs> I, um, not as big as Sacco for Crystal Palace. Yeah. He's a giant. He's, he's um, got a big dinosaur head, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's massive. Um, but yeah Barkley's legs are massive you know they say they're roids they say he's on the roids Barkley yeah when when I say they I mean Everton fans I've heard some people (laughs) say that he's on the roids I I, I don't I'm not saying that it's not slander here on recorded media I'm just saying that hypothetically someone might have told me that he's a bit (laughs) on the roids Um, coming from an Everton fan who's bitter about them leaving um is there anything else for next week you want to talk about before we go on to emails? No, let's get some emails. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we had an email from Jason um, about Mark Hughes and Eddie Howe. He also sent another follow-up email just about something else that he wanted to touch on for you guys were here. Um, he was very impressed that you guys were talking about the A-League looking up to the MLS. He said, uh, at least someone looks up to our pro football league here in the US. You guys have helped change my perspective a bit on MLS tonight with this pod. Thank you. Oh, good. I mean, he's he's right. You you can get um, you can get pretty used to what you've got, and and the Premier League is a benchmark. However, when you're in an aspiring football nation like like we are here, it's you look at the MLS and you think that how can Atlanta United get sixty thousand people every week? It's just. We can get 60,000 people for derbies here in Australia. So it, it's really impressive. And to watch it build over the last 25 years or so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an excellent league with good football. The fact that players are going there in their prime, it's good. One other thing we should talk about whilst we're talking MLS. Have you seen Wayne Rooney is half being called up to the England squad for he his has. testimonial? I love it. Because I'm, I'm glad you say that. I have absolutely zero problem with this. I love it. I think it's great. It's just a dumb friendly... The guy's done a great thing for England. I can't stand people. Chris Sutton on BBC Radio was getting so in a. Oh no, it means it devalues the game. And no, fuck off. The guy's done a massive service to his country. He's been brilliant for us. Show him a little respect. Give him a friendly. What do I? You've only got one life. Yeah. Let the bloke have a good day. <laughs> yes, like exactly. he's had. He's given us good days. Yeah. Let him have, have a good, a good day. day. Yeah, I agree. And especially against the United States with his newfound following. Yeah. Like, come on, the bloke deserves it. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, this is from Dom in Melbourne. In this week's shed, Ross, Rog mentioned that due to Glenn Murray's performances for Brighton, other clubs like Southampton should look to the Championship. Although I would argue that Southampton currently have two very championship type strikers <laughs> starting for them. That's a very good point, Tom. <laughs> In Charlie Austin and Danny Ings, who is on loan from Liverpool. Both won season wonders whose value skyrocketed after one decent season. Southampton still can't score goals and with these two starting up front for the last few weeks I've seen anyway. Are these two strikers not getting enough service or are they just not very good? So basically, is Rog wrong? Or is Rog right? Um, and are Southampton just crap? 
No, I think that both of those players were good for teams that weren't Southampton. Yeah. So, to answer, I guess, in my opinion, it's just that Southampton are coached poorly. When Danny yeah. Ings was at Liverpool, now I know he's on loan from Liverpool, he didn't yeah. get him any chances at Liverpool, he, he, had a, he had an injury when he got there, didn't he? So he, he stuttered. Yeah. But when he played, he was good. And I'm yeah. sure we're going to get people emailing in going, you know, he, what's his scoring ratio, whatever. But when you saw him play, he wasn't out of place in that side. No. And, and Southampton, as a, as a football club, have absolutely destroyed themselves for the last 15 years. They, they were... So they were a club that that had Schneiderlin and Mane and Gareth Bale and Luke Shaw and Lallana and Van Dyke, Van Virgil Van Dyke. Like where do where do you stop with this stuff? But they have been under the impression that what they can do is they can let go of their players and their academy is good enough because look at the history of their academy. It's good enough. It's good enough. We'll replenish. We'll replenish. We'll replenish. We'll replenish. And now, South, I remember a few years ago listening to a, an interview with a sporting director. Sorry, Dom, I'm sure you didn't expect a Southampton history. Um, <laughs> listening to an interview with a sporting director of Southampton saying that they prepare to sell players before they've had bids for players. So when yeah. they have a youth team member come up, they assume that they will be that good. And they already have a scouting network that has a, a statistical foundation. So it's all a spreadsheet. They're looking to scout players or to bring players through that have the same attributes as the players that are about to leave before they even know the players are about to leave so that they're ready. So yeah. two players to come in every time. And the, the arrogance of this interview was like, we are, we know what we're doing. You Every time a, a player goes out, we've got a Cedric that comes in. And you listen to it like, <laughs> okay, yeah. how well Cedric done then? Yeah. Has he done all right? So, so they, they've spent the last 15 years or so doing this as a club. Theo Walcott, like, yeah. it yeah. just keeps coming Gareth out of the Bale. woodwork. Gareth Bale. Yeah. It's madness until the yeah. last three years. They've kind of run out of players. Though, and then they? everything changed. Yeah. What they did is they realised that the arrogance that they had, or, pardon me, whether it's arrogance, I'm not going to be so yeah. derogatory, but football has changed. So what they thought was a sustainable model that they could run their business on didn't work anymore. Now, because of that, they panicked. Yeah. And they, they, they panicked to the point where, three years later, they're sitting on Mark Hughes... Some loney championship strikers, apart from Danny Ings, who was good at Liverpool and I think yeah. was unlucky with injuries, but no service, no footballing structure, no ethos, no way of playing. And if you if you don't give Danny Ings service, like Danny Ings plays like a um, uh, uh, David Nugent. For those who yeah. know David yeah. Nugent, like he run, he's 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 like a cross between Darren Bent and David Nugent, and for for, for footballing <laughs> hipsters amongst us who know who Darren Bent and David Nugent are, he is a cross between those two players. Yeah. He runs onto through balls and he picks up scraps. Yeah. Now, if you've got no one organised enough to give you those through balls that we said that, that Bournemouth did to get past Man United's backline, if you've got no one giving Danny Ings those scraps, he's not going to score a goal. And if you've got no one shooting from distance to give him a scrap, he's not going to feed off them. Yeah. Therefore, he's a completely negligent striker. Yeah. So Completely pointless. So, Rodge was right that there are gems in the in the championship but then Rog thought that when we were talking about Tammy Abrahams playing for Bristol City yeah. and he thought he as soon as he was given a chance why isn't he given a chance at Chelsea he was a loanee from Chelsea yeah. went to Bristol City but then got signed by Swansea last year yeah he was on loan at Swansea yeah. and he Rog thought that this bloke was going to turn the world alight 
But actually, he couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo. He's at Villa at the moment in the Championship and doing okay-ish. Hitting barn doors with banjos? Hitting barn doors with banjos. Um, yeah, I like on Dom's point of whether um, you can get people from the Championship, you can. Danny Ings, like you said, is better than Charlie Austin. Um, but it is hit and miss. There's, like, Dwight Gale's scored eight goals in the Championship this season for West Brom. Whenever he plays in the Premier League, is crap. Whenever he plays in the Championship, is brilliant. So you just never know whether they're going to take the step up. But I think more clubs should just give it a go. It's like Cameron Jerome. Yeah, he, he, yeah. Cameron Jerome belongs in between the Championship <laughs> and the playoff at summertime. Darren Huckabee. <laughs> yeah, they, they are literally, they belong in the playoffs. Yes. In the Championship <laughs> playoffs. They can't go anywhere else. They're too good to be lower than that and they're too yeah. shit to get promoted. Exactly. Um... We have one more email, which was from Phil via Facebook. You can, if you email us, it's footballshedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can just shoot us a message on Facebook. Now, Phil's talked to us about the championship, and we feel like, as Roger's away, who is our championship expert slash the only loser that supports the championship team amongst the three of us. So we're going to wait until Roger's back to give you a full update, Phil, but we'll get back to you next week. Um, Rod, uh, no, sorry, you're Jeff, aren't you? Do you have any side stories before we go on to an end feature? Because I don't. Nah, nah. It's time for end feature. Good one. No, it's getting worse. It's definitely <laughs> getting worse. It's like that bit that's... Yeah, that's not right, is it? Yeah. No, you need to... Um, get it's, like, it's like I've hit a barn door with a banjo. You should get, get a guitar <laughs> tech in. Um, so, in last week's end feature, Jeff and I lost again. I'm getting so sick of this. Um, now, I would give you the details of how we lost, but I can't remember because I was overseas and I'm tired. But Rog won. So sick of this. And Rog won with City at minus two and Leicester to win. Um, I can't. I don't have from Rog because he's away somewhere. Um, exact amounts of winning. But we're still well ahead as a team. Apart from me. As Team Shed, we are ahead. If you bet on anything Jeff d- offers, you're going to end up poor. Rog, you'll do fine. Me, okay in the Middle East-ish. I am sick of it. I have won one in 11. <laughs> Pretty sure. In 11, You're John. basically Fulham. Uh, I'm conceding <laughs> more goals, I tell you. Um, and, and this is the point. So last week I, I walked you through what it was like to be a gambler and to, to yeah. go onto that street. And this is the point where I either like, I'm walking out of the casino... With my head in my hands, I've got a few like dusty chips and I see a roulette table. I'm like, you know, maybe I could just put it all on black or red. Then I can at least leave, I can get my money back. At least leave <laughs> my money back. So, um, so you're putting it all on Everton? Well, yeah, I'm going to put it all on Everton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going I'm I'm to get my dusty chips out of my pocket. <laughs> and I'm going to bet on Everton to beat Chelsea at $8. Oh, God. I told you, we've not beat there since Paul Rideout in 1994. <laughs> this is the worst. Don't do whatever Jeff says. Um, now, <laughs> whilst I find what Rog has sent through as his bet, uh, my bet this week is very North London-centric. I think Arsenal and Spurs are both going to win. Um, I can't remember who they're playing. They're playing Wolves and someone else. I can't remember off the top of my head, sorry. Um, but I think they'll both win, and that is paying two dollars ninety-two, which I reckon is a pretty solid bet. For Industry standard. Yeah, we need to get a win under the belt. Rog has bet on Brighton to beat Cardiff, draw no bet, and Watford to win either half v Southampton. 
So that's paying $4.60. The thing is, when I look for my own bet, I find it really hard. When I hear Roger's bets, I'm like, it's cheating. <laughs> of, of course Watford are going to win a half against Southampton. That seems like money for old rope. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you've got to do is look at the games <laughs> and then go, oh, who's going to win out of that? And not go with, maybe Everton are going to win, because they're not. No, but I'm walking out the casino, John, with my head in my hands. Like it's, <laughs> I can see the sun coming up and I, I my, my feet are sticking on the carpet. Like... <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. It's great to be back in the shed with you, Jeff. Um, hopefully, we'll have Rog back next week. There'll be all three of us. Um, if you enjoyed it, uh, tell your mates, subscribe on iTunes. You can listen on Spotify. Um, yeah, and sh- as I said, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media somewhere. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>